Alrighty, man. So, how you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, if you would like to go ahead and get started, uh, introduce yourself, who you are, mm-hmm. what you drive, and where you drive, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Uh, I'm Nikhil Varikar. Uh, I drive an E46 328i, and I usually drive grassroots. I just started last year, meaning like 2022, mm-hmm. and it was my first year in real life. I say in real life because I've only tried like sim drifting before that. And it's, I thought maybe I should just, you know, jump into the real life scene and see how it is. And, you know, it was on my bucket list and thought I'll just give it a try. And it went well. Um, made a lot of new friends. Met a, nice, a lot of nice new people. Um, it was a very great experience. Uh, and where are you out of? Uh, I'm based in Ontario right now, Canada. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, originally I'm from India. I just moved like here in 2019, but I moved to Ontario in 2020. And that's how I discovered uh, that drifting is kind of uh, a grassroots sport. Then it's also a motorsport. Because my first exposure to drifting was back in my teenage when I in India when I came across like Tokyo Drift, mm-hmm. and that kind of painted this picture in my head that it is something that's only illegal. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I never thought of uh, doing it really in uh-huh. my life because I'm mostly uh, like a good kid in my parents' book, right? So yeah. Um, so it's only when I think after I came here, I had started doing some Macedo. Mm-hmm. I think I was recommended like Formula Drift. And that's how the, I went into the rabbit hole of like discover, discovering like everything professional from Pro 1 to D1GB to, you know, Pro 2, Pro Am mm-hmm. and whatnot. So that has been my journey. And it's, uh, I think I'm here to stay. That's cool, man. Uh uh, drifting, my, my introduction to drifting was also Tokyo Drift, so that's we have that in <laughs> nice. common, that's really cool <laughs> but that is funny that you're like, yeah, it's only for hoodlums yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's poor choice of words but, uh, you said you drove an E46 uh, which one, what model do you have? Um, so it's a 328i, uh, I think it's from the year 2000 it's bone stock the engine on it is the M52 TUB28 Okay, so I think it, I think it, on paper it's supposed to make 190 to the crank. Uh, I'm not sure if it makes that after like 22 years, honestly. But yeah, yeah. So it's bone stock. Yeah. What uh, what modifications do you have done to it for drifting? Um, so I, I've kept it simple because that's the only car I own and drive. So it's a daily my daily driver. Mm-hmm. I have an angle kit on it. I have which angle kit? Um, have you heard about E Factory? Uh, I have heard of it. The name rings a bell, but I've never mm-hmm. gone to far gone as far as looking into them. I see. So it's uh, I think they're based out of BC, Canada, and it's more of a, I would say, an SLR replica in some sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does the job. It's not too bad. It's it, it 
has worked like wonders for me. Um, yeah, and then the angle kit, I have a bucket seat, like the cheapest that I could find. It is a Menagi um, FRP 401, I think. Then other than that, I have a 350mm wheel and a well diff, obviously. The only difference is the diff that comes in the stock manuals is a 293 ratio. But it's I think I have... Lovely mm-hmm. ratio. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I have uh, pulled one out of an automatic, which which is a 346. Mm-hmm. So it helps with a little bit of shock. And then uh, what else do I have? Yeah, like halfway through the season, I put in uh, this hydro e-brake. It's it's dual caliper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the best setup, but it's it works if you want it. Yeah. So that's that's all I have, honestly. What's wrong and, with your uh, cal- your dual caliper setup? Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's uh, I bought the Chase Space Kit. And I think I cheaped out on the calipers themselves and the brackets. Mm-hmm. So what happened was, I think the guy who helped me, like, you know, install stuff on my car, he bought these well-on brackets mm-hmm. for an E46. And turns out those were meant for uh, the facelift models. And the facelift models have a different way, have a different trailing arm apparently. Mm-hmm. And those didn't fit my uh, pre-facelift. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I think I had many ways to make it work, and somehow it didn't. Um, somehow I think it, it's not aligned properly, so it 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 works like engages fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's the way the um, it's the placement of the handle itself. So it's like there's a lot of throw before it actually starts engaging the brake and uh, so it's like halfway through when you pull it hard that only that's that's when it kind of actually engages and locks the brake is it soft uh, or is it hard um soft and in the sense when you pull it yeah so at the end it's hard but uh, like the first half is like very soft like almost nothing happens when you when you like yank the first half i wonder if the... that's improperly bled or if there's possible that you may need a um a larger uh, uh, master. Yeah. Do you know what size your master is? Because I, I had an E46 as well, mm-hmm. and I ran a three-quarter master on it. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to switch it to a different car, uh, mm-hmm. I ended up having to get the, um, I think it's the 5.8 master that I have now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that might be something you might need to look into. Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's, it's the same one that comes with the kit. Mm, okay, as a kit. Yeah, so I I got the lines, I got the handle, and I got the master cylinder. Um, the caliper and the brackets were something that I planned on later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's how I you know, gotcha. Uh, got the kit. Yeah, maybe don't take my word for it. I could be wrong, <laughs> uh, but it might be something to look into. Uh, yeah. that's pretty cool though. Um, and the, what coilovers did you say you have? Oh yeah, I forgot totally. My bad. Um, so the I got BC coilovers, but they are like um, I bought them used because I couldn't afford new ones, and uh, I believe they are like they're they're like street spec. The mm-hmm. 
default spec that you get for the factory. Um, and they work fine. I mean, I like when I got them, I was not uh, kind the kind of a driver that would understand how would I benefit from you know different spring rates and different damping settings and all that uh, technical stuff. Yeah. So, like to give you a perspective, I started the first ever skip pad that I did was literally the car as I bought it. And it came on Raceland coilovers, which was honestly a horrible experience when I tried to drift it. Um, so, so we have like winters, long winters here. Um, so I took that opportunity and kind of made the car somewhat drivable. I got BC coilovers and all the other mods that I mentioned previously. And when I tried it afterward uh, in the in the 2022 season, the first kit pad. It drives so well and so differently, although a lot of tuning was needed. Um, because when I started off, my it, it was not set up right. To give you more context, I had like winter winter fronts uh, with like normal pressure. Yeah, normal okay. pressures. Uh, then I had all the co- all the coilovers set up to full soft settings. And I had no idea what I was doing, right? So, yeah. yeah. So, and then, so the first experience was fine. But then the second event, I happened to come across uh, this guy called Brandon. And he is arguably the best trial that I've come across in Ontario mm-hmm. uh, by a long shot. Like, he's, like, so good. He's aggressive as well. And I think his car broke and my car had broken as well at that point and we kind of met and we were talking about this i told him this is what i run and he immediately told me no you shouldn't run that like that's when i started like you know tweaking and doing the right kind of things that i should with my setup yeah and the right kind of company like obviously you need to be with better drivers than you yourself to kind of learn more right so that's what i did try to understand what i was getting into so I finally uh, ended up getting some Zestinos for the fronts. Um, that was a great purchase. Um, nice grip. I could like throw the car with more confidence. And um, yeah, so slowly I just figured out how to set up the car. And I'm trying to do that more and more. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, I came in, honestly, I came into the uh, real life scene to do just like, you know, one or two events. But it was so, so, um, I don't know what the word is here, but I, you know, it just, it just, just followed me in. I literally did every possible event that I could attend, Mm -hmm. uh, which honestly was not good on my wallet. No, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. Like my salary was coming in and it was just going out. So, yeah, but I, I couldn't stop myself, like. My logical, logically, my brain was like, yeah, you shouldn't do it. Like, you should stay home and save the money. And literally, the day before the event, I'm like, oh, screw it. I'm just going to drop. It's in my bank Put account. All my Why money not? In. Yeah, go and drift, right? So that's what I did. <laughs> Learned quite a few things. And uh, yeah, like, my first season, my first half of the season was just without a handbrake. And that was, I think, the biggest uh, learning that I had like without a handbrake, it taught me to drive the car properly and as I should without a handbrake, right? So, 
Yeah, because uh, a handbrake's supposed to be a tool, so you don't want to yeah. overuse it. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as, because you said you, you're basically, you started out on sim drifting, yes. and then you went to in real life drifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your sim setup like? Um, as it sits, it's the cheapest Fanatec wheelbase, and uh, I usually, I mostly drift in VR, like I try to drift in VR because that's how I can get closer to the real experience, mm-hmm. minus the G-forces, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I have the bare bones uh, chassis, bare bones I just upgraded like as I needed it. I, like for example, I started off with the G920, the Logitech G920, mm-hmm. but for some reason I couldn't drift on it because I felt the rotation speed was not great enough. Mm-hmm. So I switched to a Fanatec and then I got a decent shifter. I got this eBay handbrake. I got the, these Fanatec pedals, which are also which were also the cheapest at that point. Um, and yeah, like most places we are a set of course up, um, making sure I'm learning with every session. Like for me, the simulator honestly is a tool to kind of translate into real life. That's, Absolutely. That's all I have it for. A lot of people don't get it, but I don't really care, but I love it. Um, I've been finding myself like using the simulator every so often and it does translate quite a bit. Uh, the real life aspect. The only, the only thing that was a hurdle for me when I first uh, tried to drift in real life was that, you know, when I initiated my drift, my brain was calibrated in a way to correct the oversteer, mm-hmm. and I was not expecting the kind of g forces you feel when you drift. On my in my first experience, right, mm-hmm. and I was just oversteering, and I was like coming back and straightening up. I was like, I, I was like, I don't know what's happening, but why am why am I not able to drift? And then I just went uh, for a ride along with a different guy who was drifting pretty good, mm-hmm. and then when he threw the car uh, for the first time, and I was like, oh, that's what you're supposed to feel. And then I'm like, oh, okay, okay, and now I get it. Yeah. So I. You know, Went back into my car and I was like, I threw it hard, and that's when I was like, oh, this is the biggest difference in the when you compare to the sim, right? So that's the only thing that is missing, honestly, uh, in my sim. But I mean, I don't mind after doing the real thing. I just keep going back to the real thing, and the sim at this point is only for quote unquote off season or let's say the winter. Mm-hmm. Really can't go out to events and drift, you know. Yeah, it's it also saves you money when you feel like drifting. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I, I broke my G twenty seven wheel uh, recently, so I need to an upgrade, and oh. I got it for free. So I made myself okay. like a whole setup. But I see. I right. need to spend the money. How much is the Fanatec? Um, I don't remember, honestly. It was, I think it's discontinued at this point. It was probably like 250 for the base when I bought it, USD. Mm-hmm. And I recently, I've purchased a new base already. Um, I think it's called the Sim Magic Alpha Mini. That's because, the one I heard about too. 
Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's like it's not ex- expensive as the other direct drives are, and it's also not the cheapest direct drive. Mm-hmm. But I had to find my uh, what my budget allowed, right? So honestly, if you move, if you're moving from a G27 to any bell-driven wheel, like you should be fine. Um, That's what I assumed. Yeah, because for me, what's happening right now is. I feel I'm running the wheel with like maximum settings, like maximum force feedback and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I run a 350 millimeter wheel at, along with this hub that Fanatic provides. And I think I'm losing like half the force feedback through it. So I'm just being like, I'm just finding an excuse to upgrade, honestly. But this just works fine. Yeah. The the only issue is like it's kind of freaking out with every run that I do, like recently at least. Mm-hmm. And it's been just crashing, like I don't know, it's out of warranty after two years, but it's just been crashing on me for a while. So I just, I, I'm like, I'm just going to pull the plug and you know get a wheel base that is not fanatic, and that's just my experience. I mean, a lot of people are running the same base that I have for like five years and have no problems. Yeah, see, I guess it's a given thing. Sometimes people will like claim something's the worst product ever, and then. Somebody else will have it and they've been using it for years without issue. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I guess there's uh there's always that. Yeah, that's true. Um what when was your uh how long were you doing sim drifting before you actually transitioned over to in real life drifting? I think how many hours would you say you had on like uh a set of courses? Oh. Oh I see. Um or even the time as well. I think I think I did like Approximately three hundred hours. Jesus. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if that's a lot or less, but um, yeah, I think over a span of a year, I think three hundred hours. A lot of people do like more. I think this is this three hundred is probably nothing compared to what people usually do. Um, but yeah, the more you put, the better, obviously. How many hours would you say it took you from the start of your sim drifting? How many mm-hmm. hours would you say it took you to actually get it down and make it around the track without being a mess? Because when you first start, it's yeah, it's not good. <laughs> not for any, <laughs> at least right. At least right, it wasn't right. for me. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So, I think I would say I don't have the number in my head, but I would, if I had to say, I would say fifty, sixty at least. Okay, seems reasonable. Yeah, because it is very discouraging the first. <laughs> you know yeah especially if you like start a month. With a, yeah like if you start with a gear driven wheel it's even worse because it doesn't really work the way the real car does uh-huh it just just throws you off you're like oh why 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 does it happen and it's like you're just you're just trying to contemplate like why am i not able to do this but turns out you just have to like keep doing it keep messing with it and then you figure it out eventually i guess yeah okay that that's that's not terrible. That makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and for me the only advantage that I had, or the ben- or let's say the experience that I had, was driving um, manuals or stick shifts. Um, because in India, mostly everyone owns a stick shift, and my family had a stick shift for like years. Like even now, they have a stick shift. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's and driving in India like it definitely makes you a 
different kind of driver, let's say. Uh, well, th- that's good to know. I didn't know that that was just a, a common thing there, where everyone, every car was a manual trans car. That's cool. Yeah, like manual is like standard, and then automatic. At least until when I was there, was kind of a privilege. Ah, um, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, and then uh, and honestly, like I wouldn't buy a manual. Like I would every day drive. Um, uh, sorry, I wouldn't buy an automatic. I would buy a manual at all times. So really, I just oh, man, <laughs> living in LA. Is, yeah. I have no desire to drive my stick cars. <laughs> I oh, see. It is a, it's a shit show here, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. Like, I've I've been driving uh, in the Indian traffic, like proper city traffic for like years. And when you're in the traffic, trust me, that's exactly what I feel. That's what uh, I figured. I was like, mm, I'm pretty sure India has, has their own set of traffic that Oh yeah, it's miserable here though. It's stop and go. Yeah, at least so one thing I can immediately tell you is at least in the states or let's say in Canada, people have to kind of respect the lanes and you know have some discipline. There's this discipline in India. Discipline is a myth. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So if you have let's say three lanes, the highway is a three laner. Yeah. You will have at least six lanes there. Jesus Christ. People just make their own lanes? Yeah, and trust me, like, that's that's probably how I'm actually comfortable, like, tandeming with people because literally the traffic is, like, tandeming, like, close proximity without actually drifting. It's, it's that. It. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> it's fun, though. I mean, Indian driving in its own way has its benefits like it makes you a better driver it also you know is fun in sometimes yeah yeah um how many events have you been you said you started driving in 2022 how many events have you driven Um, do you have the top of your head i've lost count but i had if i had to guess i've done starting april until october so give or take, so like um, I don't know how many months those are, but somewhat eight eight months I'm guessing. So on an average, two to three events a month. So that's not bad. Wait, you said from April to October? Yeah. Isn't that six months? Is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So three events on an average per month, and that's that's that would be my number. So let's say I don't know six eight. About about eighteen to twenty, I would say, at the very most. That's not bad at all. That's really good for even for like a single season for a lot of people. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. That's not... Oh, yeah. That that definitely brings me to a point to mention that my car never gave me any issues like mechanically. Oh, really? Is, that's great. Yeah. Like it just kept going. I mean, I put my money in. Uh, for the maintenance, like at all times, was top of was on top of my maintenance. But it was so nice. Like I had so much confidence in the car after one point that I would actually let let my other friends drive it, mm-hmm. and that was occasionally because their cars were their cars were broken. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, that happened. Wow. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then I, I for some reason I felt bad every time my friends' car was cars were broken. I was like, oh, do you want to drive my car? Do you want to drive my car? Like more than half the people were like, no, no, I don't want to break your car or whatever, right? But there were like a few people who were like, okay, sure, whatever. That's the so, beauty of having a stock car. It's like you can just hammer on that thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Like even now, it's still fine. I'm I'm driving it still in the winter. It has no issue. Just kept keeps going. The only issue that I had recently was. Uh, the battery right that's it oh well that's just common yeah you know everyday items yeah and uh, i think the one the one modification that i've done on the engine is i've installed a power steering cooler mm-hmm. because what i realized for in the first few events that the power steering cooler sorry power steering fluid was was being boiled and it boiled to a point that it just like shot itself out of the uh, reservoir and it all ended up in my engine like everywhere and i lost fluid at the end and like for what would happen is if i would do let's say i don't know 10 15 runs the first five six runs would be fine the fluid would heat up to and it its viscosity would be ideal so the power steering would be you know like perfect I, I could like just throw from lock to lock, no problem. Uh, but after some point, that fluid would just, you know, um, go down in level to a point where the power steering would just, you know, not work as expected. And sometimes I've realized that during like big entries, and I'm like, oh, 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 shoot, oh, shoot, <laughs> I can't do anything now. So, so you know, like I've I've been in close encounters where I would just, you know, crash my car into the wall. But luckily. Oh, sure. <laughs> my, um, I, I would say my Destinos probably would have saved me because of the so much grip that if you um, spin out, like, and you end up going in one direction, if your momentum is to, going towards the wall, the fronts are dragging so much that it kind of stops you mm-hmm. from hitting into the wall. So I think that was good. So I just. I finally pulled the plug, and after that, I had no issues. Like that was the best thing that I've done to the engine, honestly. Like my life, life has been so easy after that. Yeah, I have a similar issue. Like I have like a little, like a cotton wristband that mm-hmm. I have around my reservoir to catch some of it. <laughs> but at this point, uh, I ended up getting like a um, a cooler from like out of a trade deal. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, and that snowballed into me. Now I'm going to add a full, like a big, large cooler. And I'm probably mm-hmm. going to end up getting a larger reservoir and just do like a, rev- a remote reservoir setup. Oh, I see. Yeah, nice. it makes it. I mean, do you spend a little money? Yeah, but I don't want it overboiling every four minutes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is. I'm surprised I haven't thrown one out yet. Um, like Pumps? I haven't blown a pump. Oh, that's uh, so. That's unusual. Yeah, yeah. So far, no pumps have been blown. I even have like a spare one just in case, brand new in the box, but mm-hmm. I've never had to use it luckily. But oh, I, I want to make sure that I don't ever have to use it. <laughs> I see. I see. Makes sense. Yeah, I actually, mine is actually bent. So when you see my uh, my serpentine belt moving, like uh, my mm. power steering uh, um, pulley, really? it yeah. wobbles a little bit. <laughs> I see. From a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> still works though six yeah, yeah. years later <laughs> that's good that's seven good. years shit it's been a long time yeah that that actually reminds me i actually blew like one of the events um 
I think I had this issue. Uh, yeah, with with left foot breaking, like I could never left foot break because uh, the the only way to do the only way to do it is if you disable ABS in your system on your car, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem was when I pulled the fuse to disable the ABS on these N52 uh, engines, what happens is it kind of detects that the traction system is not working expected, the ABS system and the traction control system. So it kind of starts cutting power at uh, 5,500, I would say, RPM. And that's where these engines actually make the make their power. So... I didn't realize that the first few incidents when I tried removing a fuse, I was not sure, like, why is it not drifting properly? And then finally, I understood, okay, there's a limit on that. And uh, turns out you have to uh, get it removed from your ECU. And that's how it works. So, you have to get it, like, programmed out? Yeah. yeah wow, that's exactly. a bit much. Yeah. So, And that's for your ABS, yeah. right? Yeah, ABS and the limiter. So it's, I think, uh, I don't know what the electronic situation is, but that's how, that's how you make it work. Huh. Yeah. BMWs are so finicky, man. I mean, they're <laughs> so great, but at the same time, yeah. it's like when you have like niche shit like that, it kind of becomes like Jesus Christ. Of course, I have to do this to make it work. Yeah, exactly. And I had no idea, right? So. I had to do my legwork and everyone was like, oh, disable this sensor, disable that, try this, try that. I've tried everything. And finally, I the guy who works on my car knows a guy who is like bigger than him for some reason. And he like he, has, he also does tuning. Mm-hmm. Like BMW is not tuning tuning, but like he does some kind of tuning. So I, I just happened to ask him like, okay, do you know what this is? He's like, yeah, I've done that on my car. I'm like, oh shit, okay. I'm coming to your, I'm coming to your shop like tomorrow, and I'm going to get it done. Nice. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. At least you got to take care of. Oh yeah, definitely. What? Uh, so the transition from from going mm-hmm. from um, the sim to the track. How much mm-hmm. would you say, or how long did it take you to get around the track? Mm-hmm. As opposed to, um, you know, how long it took you to figure out same drifting? Like, were you able to get around the track mm-hmm. without spinning out every lap or something? Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Okay. I think uh, it took like one skip pad even. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fuck so, me. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's a combination of two things. One, getting to that point on your sim that you know what you're doing and you know how you're linking tracks, right? Mm-hmm. You're not just like blindly doing the same thing with every transition. You know you're respecting the turn and the transition and the car and the speed. Yeah. And doing the same thing in real life. So the only difference is in real life, you have to learn the car first because the moment you figure out how your car drives, it's it's you can apply everything that you have learned from the sim world into your real life car. Yeah, it, because that's the only difference, right? The car will not drive the same way your sim car drives. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's one difference, and and that's for just normal drifting, like you know, linking tracks and whatnot. Yeah, 
tandeming was also uh, transferable from sim to real life mm-hmm. the the one big difference that i realized i did not ever learn on the sim but that was just my fault was you know when you clutch in and pull your handbrake mm-hmm. and then you get back on gas when you come in to the turn you are supposed to keep your revs up when you clutch in yeah oh uh, got it i could see how yeah it. on the same what happened was i was driving 400 horsepower cars and the moment you get back on gas without actually like keeping the revs up you're just fine it just comes back yeah exactly yeah and then with my e46 i was like oh what's happening oh what's happening yeah. you know when the, when the first time i tried it and then i had a sim drifter and a fellow friend uh, in the back seat because it's a e46 sedan so you have so many seats so you know you can put him anywhere so he was in the back seat and he observed that he's like oh you have to keep your revs up you can't you can't like you know be lazy on your gas and like oh oh i see okay so that was one thing new that i kind of figured out when i transitioned at least with the handbrake so that was cool that's a that's a good point uh it's something you don't really rec- i didn't really realize too that i probably do myself sometimes even when i'm really drifting like drifting in real life i'll yeah. forget to fucking push the clutch in while i when i go to grab the handbrake oh i've done it like more than one more the times than i'd <laughs> care to admit oh wow i how is your transmission on, like in one piece great question <laughs> oh, you know what? Uh, my last one wasn't. I ended up pulling it apart to like check it out. Yeah. And there was like a mid plate in there where <laughs> reverse grabs something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, there was like a whole ring that was pressed out. Oh. That shouldn't have been that way. I mean, <laughs> I just replaced the plate and then mm. put it back together and sold it. Oh my god. So okay. at least I replaced the plate. Yeah, I see. I see. yeah okay. it was uh <laughs> i still got a thousand bucks for it so i wasn't mad and then i put oh, a new one in it yeah there <laughs> it's it's out. running in a hot rod right now oh sweet so that's not at all yeah exactly uh yeah. what are your plans for this upcoming season um yeah it's uh I think now I'm now that I'm going to talk, speak it out loud I don't think it's going to be a great plan but I have plans to put in another 3 liter from another BMW into my car which one uh, from a 330 I believe okay so it's it's the M54 B30 and I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to get like headers and an M50 manifold that is supposedly uh going to make a little more power like it'll, it'll help you make more power with that engine okay um and it's it's going to be a decent amount is what i've been told but yeah honestly i went with that engine because that's what i could afford honestly yeah and to be honest like i have no reason to like swap engines but i want to do it just to see if it does make any difference in terms of power and if it does make some difference or it helps my driving or you know some tracks where i can't link the whole thing you know where my car struggles maybe it'll help me drift those tracks a little better if not absolutely uh better any reason you would do that over maybe just getting like a turbo kit for it from like ebay 
Um, one thing I would think about is reliability, and that's because it's my daily driver. Uh-huh. I do the track, drift it all day, get it back home, then just go get groceries next day, no problem. Yeah. But if I put, get a get a turbo kit, let alone an eBay kit, I'm not sure if the motor is going to survive. I've been t- I've been told that these motors do survive if you run like low boost pressures, mm-hmm. like I don't know, so seven psi. It should be reliable at the point. And uh, honestly, that's what I've been recommended by Chelsea Unifer because I attended his class recently in Florida, and he meant he did mention that you know like one thing you should do with your car is at least have 250 to 300 horsepower and a 3k-ish usable range of RPM for drifting. Mm-hmm. And my car has neither. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, I am thinking I'll probably try the naturally aspirated engine first and see if it has a little more power. And then if I feel like I have a need for more than that, I'll probably put a turbo kit or maybe some kind of nitrous kit on it. Because I've been told nitrous kits are a bit cheaper to bolt on and they do give you considerable considerable amount of power. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm a little uh, new to these real-life engine mods and whatnot. And honestly, the first thing I would chase is reliability. That's Honestly, that's what equates to your seat time in real life. So, why not, you know? True. I actually just purchased a nitrous kit myself, so I get it. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that's... I just wanted to make it do the spray thing out the hood. <laughs> that's it. No, just, no I, I bought a... I bought... I pieced one together, rather. Oh, um, nice. But yeah, uh, there are, like, so many benefits to the nitrous stuff. But at the same time, there's so many, like, uh, it falls short with mm-hmm. uh, the consumables. Uh, you have to have it at the right temperature, depending on how much horsepower you're running, um, what kind of jetting system you, you got set up. You're going to have to um, basically, you know, have two or three bottles, have a bottle heater, mm-hmm. um, shit like that. So that's the downside to it, I would say. I do like the fact that, like, if you do a turbo or a supercharger of some kind, mm-hmm. you know, that's it. That's your power. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. It come, Those come with its own set of complications, like uh, an enormous amount of weight compared to a nitrous system, which is arguably, like, 50 pounds, maybe mm-hmm. 80 with a full tank yeah, um, of extra weight. I think mm-hmm. it's like ten pounds for the lines and yeah the bracket and the uh, the solenoids, but anything outside uh-huh. of that is like nothing. I mean, those are nothing compared to like the full bottle of shit. It might even be lighter. I think it's like forty pounds maybe for the bottle, so maybe like fifty pounds of weight to the car, uh-huh. as opposed to a supercharger that weighs you know ninety pounds. Mm, I see. Well, that's being a bit aggressive, but I think they're like fifty pounds roughly. <laughs> maybe 85 depending on the supercharger itself but then you got to add like a cooling system you got to mm-hmm. add what intercoolers mm-hmm. um an extra fuel system depending on what you're doing no that would be more than just yeah um 
just kind of like the brackets and shit. It does add a lot of weight. So that was the only thing. That was the biggest reason I didn't mm-hmm. go with it. Mm-hmm. My car is freaking heavy. But oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I had this uh, lingering question in my head. Like, I'm sure you you are uh, a drifter of the professional nature for the most part. No, <laughs> no. I mean, you are. I mean, you could consider yourself pro at some point, I guess. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, weight saving is one thing that I'm yet to try because I literally have a full interior in my car. And, uh, like, I, I haven't even considered that aspect of it because, I don't know, for some reason I like keeping the car stock and also keep uh, modifying the car at the same time, if it makes sense. I'm not sure what I'm saying at this point, but... Yeah, that's that's my thought. And speaking of weight savings, like that's <laughs> one memory comes back. Like in one of the events that I attended this year, um, I happened to drift the car with like five people in it. Jesus. Yeah, and it was wild, but also weird at the same time. So it's like, obviously, it would run in a in a straight line. It was very slow. But once you initiate, you had like all the momentum in the world and you can just keep keep on going. So it was nice that way. And uh, <laughs> for some reason, I find the run to be way more exciting when there, when there are like people screaming inside my car. So I don't know why that uh, uh, gives, you, gives you the rush, but some, some, somehow it does. It's like, uh, it's like, Having the crowd cheer for you almost. Ah, I see. So maybe I see. it's uh, it's invigorating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you ever see yourself getting into competition? Uh, myself, I want to honestly. Like that's the next bucket uh, bucket list item. Mm-hmm. It's to win a tandem battle in a competition in real life, mind you. No, no, okay. Oh. Yeah, and. Uh, Honestly, like speaking of competition, I've tried uh, um, DCGP recently, the first round, and I did like horrible. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and mostly it's because two things: my skill was not that great for that track, and the nervousness was something that I was not expecting. Like the what? The nervousness that comes along with your competition. The nervousness. Yeah, nervousness, like uh, the anxiety that kicks in. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, it's just... Uh, nervousness, sorry. Nervousness, yeah, I'm sorry, my bad. Like, no, it's nervous. Just... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, so what happened was I was fine. I did my practice runs. I was able to link the whole thing, no problem. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, like, it was not, like, a 100-point run, but it was, in my in my defense, it was, like, at least 75 plus to 80 Mm-hmm. when I was practicing. So I was just hoping like I could do that kind of a run, right? Mm-hmm. But then come, uh, like, come come to the day of the competition, um, I'm fine literally till the second they call my name. Um, the moment they call my name, my my body, I, it felt like as if my body just went into paralysis. I don't know what was it. What was <laughs> so that? Just, the nerves got the best of you? Oh, yeah. Basically. It, it happens. I get it. Yeah, and I just went in the first run through the car in the 
fast entry and I don't know what happened. I just couldn't control the car and I just went off and then I scored a zero. So I came back for the second run and this time I was like, yeah, you know what? I have nothing to lose. So I just drove and obviously a lot of mistakes. I was not driving the way I was. I felt I was on, as if I was on autopilot, honestly. Uh, I was not consciously driving. I was just driving as if, you know, um, there was nothing to it. I, I had no concentration uh, in the run. Gotcha. And I did, yeah. And I did like a 62, I believe, which mm-hmm. was, uh, I mean, it's, it was honestly very bad. So and from that point, I was like, hmm, maybe something's not right. And I think after that point, I seeked help from uh, Jovan. You probably know him, right? What's the name? Uh, Jovan. Sounds like he goes by the name No Bumper on Instagram. Yes, yes, one got it. one sorry, sorry, yeah. So, yeah, so I got help from him. Like he, he does like really good. He he does a really good job like setting up cars. Like, yes, in he a does. Photo and in real life, so I gave him my setup the from uh, what I was running, and he was like, "No, dude, like, you're not supposed to run this. This is not great." And uh, he helped me like figure out like how the car drives, how it should drive. He gave me a very neutral setup to uh, start off with. Mm-hmm. And then that actually helped me gain more confidence in the car. And uh, from that point, like that was my baseline, right? So from there, I could just, you know, be, I was very confident after that. So I'm looking forward to the next round. But sadly, I can't make the next round because I'm you know, heading back home for a week oh, okay. uh, for personal reasons. And uh, I'll probably be back for the third round. So I'm hoping at least I can put a decent score, at least qualify. The first step is like to qualify. And then comes the battle and we'll figure out whatever during the battle. But the first step is to qualify at least, right? So that's my struggle at this point. Yeah, exactly. No, I get it. Uh, that's funny. Uh, Yohan and I are actually uh, good friends. Um, he set up mine. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah, nice. he set mine up when I first got my uh, setup, my system. Uh, he actually built me a car, too, because I drive a Cadillac CTS. Yeah. Uh, he built me one in the game. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we that's found cool. one, and then we kind of like made some changes to it to fit the way my car, my in-real-life car was. Yeah. So, yeah. That's sick. That's sick. Nice. Yohan's a great dude. Oh, yeah, definitely. Hopefully, uh, if I ever make it, he'll... Uh, you can uh, come along for the ride. Oh, yeah. For sure. I'll be listening to that one. For we'll, sure. We'll see how that goes. I might have <laughs> him on actually soon. Yeah? Yeah, why not? Nice. He's, he's big into drifting. Yeah. Um. What, what are you, I'm sorry. I asked you what your plans were for this year already. Uh, do you plan on doing competition this year? Or are you going to get your car ready for... When do you plan on doing competition, rather? And I mean, like, a full comp. Mm-hmm. Like, not necessarily, like, a pro-am, but... Mm-hmm. Like, any competition? A full, like, thir- top 32, top 16 situation where you qualify and stuff. In your right. in your car. Not, not yeah. on the game. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, so that's, that's one biggest um, gripe I have is... There, there are no competitions in Ontario right now. And, oh, really? Yeah. Not that I know of, honestly. Like, I've asked a lot of people around, and they're like, oh, we had one, but that was also con- 
switch to this fun uh, even day not really it's, it's not a competition anymore um so honestly that would be my first preference because it's very close and i you know i could just try my luck and see how i do with the car i have mm-hmm. um and to be very honest to get my car ready for any kind of competition it all depends obviously if i if it's a grassroots grassroots competition i would just go in as is but if it's anything above that i would probably have to step up my game power wise a little bit mm-hmm. somewhat respectable make make sure the car has um enough things that i can adjust to you know drive the way i want yeah um because the biggest regret that i have is not putting in adjustable camber arms and tow brackets to adjust all that i was just driving with like stock rear suspension all this while and yeah i mean it drove fine until it did not uh at the end of the year at basically at the final event of the year mm-hmm. that's when i realized the alignment is like way off from all the driving so that's when i put in so re- now i have camber arms and tow brackets at least but yeah to do a competition to answer your question honestly uh whenever the budget allows uh whenever the time allows because i work as a software engineer full time and it's kind of difficult to do competitions out of state um over the weekend i at least have to like make time for like vacations or something and you know spend the money and do it yeah. but to be honest as soon as possible by that i mean money time and uh, um what else yeah build in the car i would say yeah some big has to line up i get it yeah it's not easy mhm but i mean if if that were not a problem if anything of the things that i mentioned now were not a problem i would do it like tomorrow <laughs> oh got gotcha. you okay so <laughs> yeah so the point is you want to do it got it yes yeah awesome. for sure yeah uh, where uh What's your like closest track that you're allowed to go to out there in Ontario? Uh, the closest to me is or what tracks are around you? I'm sorry. What tracks oh, have you visited? Yeah. I see. Okay. I don't know anything uh, about Ontario so so curious. But that's okay. I mean I I didn't know either so. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a track called Grand Bend Motorplex. Mm-hmm. Um it's like an hour from me. It has It's mostly a circuit track but they you know have two events throughout the year uh one at the very beginning and one at the very end of the season um so that's a good track it's a fast track uh to learn that that was my first track if uh, for perspective so that was good mm-hmm. and there's TMP which is Toronto Motor Sports Park which is not in Toronto by the way it's in a town which is far away from Toronto so i don't know why they call that but i guess it works um so that track is also like favorable for grip racing and like other organizers come in and they uh have their own events there oh, okay uh, yeah and they only have like a part of the track for drifting they don't allow the full track or whatever so they just have like A to B, it's it doesn't even loop, so you have to go drift, 
come back in line, go again, get back in again, go again. So it's like that's the way you do it there. So that's good. That that has been the most visited track by me because just because of uh, how many like there are two two organizers, two events that come there and organize trip events. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Then what else have I visited? I've visited Shannonville Motorsports Park. So that track has a, has some history. It was it was the most favorable track for the drifters here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, you had Jacob Gerings, Gerings from uh, Ontario as well on your podcast. And I think he also mentioned that Shannonville was like not moderated properly when it first uh, started off. It had like, you know, people partying and, you know, going crazy in the pits and whatnot. So then after that, the owner changed. And I never, I, I was never here when the old owner was here. So uh, when the new owner came and he kind of, he always favors, I think, grip racing. Doesn't really favor drifting that much. Mm-hmm. So that track is good. But I think lately the track has been getting a lot of heat because of the lackluster uh, marshals, like the management. Mm-hmm. Like there, there have been a few events where they like let off uh, uh, like drivers into live traffic. Oh wow! So, yeah, so that was a very close call. There's there's a clip on Instagram and whatnot, like, which is very popular. That doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> yeah, like it was like kind of wild. Like it looked from the grandstand that the driver that was like, coming in fast and that's the part where people come in super fast and throw backies and whatnot and you know come into the turn mm-hmm. and where the backy ends and they start gripping up into the turn that's where the entry is uh, gotcha. for the track right okay. so so this guy is like you know coming in super fast and trying to um come in fast i'm not sure if he was throwing a backy but then he saw that car coming in and there was so much momentum, so he had to stop the car somehow. He tried to stop it, but it was so much momentum that he just like hit the front brake, and the car just went, you know, almost in a backy. And somehow, somehow he managed to save it because there was no vision uh, because of the smoke that uh, kind of surrounded the track uh-huh. uh, until he realized it was very close. Like it was, I think probably like four or five car lengths away that he realized, okay, there's a car in front of him in on the line. Like he's drifting. Oh, wow. So that was wild. Yeah. Luckily nothing happened. And another instance was like Brandon, the guy I mentioned that I learned from a lot. Mm-hmm. He, he had the same, same incident, but there was no smoke. So you could see. So Brandon, like the driver he is, instead of, you know, slowing down and respecting the car coming in, He's like, nope, I'm going to go in. And, you know, he just like threw a backy and he just started tandeming with the car that went in front. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, like he's a great driver. So that's not a problem. But it's still, it's uh, uh, Marshall's not do not a great job with their management. So I think a lot of people are boycotting that track as far as drifting is concerned. Only the locals probably visit at this point. But most of the people that went out their way for like three hours for in my case some people travel like four hours to the track um to go to shannonville they probably will not from this point because i think they had enough gotcha yeah and 
what else do we have here? We have North Stage as well, which happens once or twice, I believe. Um, they, it's it's a nice layout. It's like an abandoned airport. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast entry and slows down into a small uh, layout, slow layout. So it's a, it's a nice track to learn. Uh, entering in like high gear and coming back to like low gear. So mm-hmm. it's a good experience. Um, and yeah, and it, <laughs> one weird thing happened with uh, that event is the my hood it doesn't latch properly sometimes. But I think this was it was my fault at this point. Uh, what happened was the I kind of unlatched the hood to check my oil, and I did not check the oil. I was like, I'll just keep it open. I I wouldn't. I did not like close it properly. Uh, it was just like barely latched. So I thought to myself, okay, you know, I'm going to check the oil and go back out because, you know, oil, oil, oil issues and BMWs, you know how it is, right? You, yeah. You have to keep checking that. And as much as I forget, as much as forgetful I am, I did not do either. Did not close the hood properly, did not <laughs> check oil, right? And I went out. Yeah. So, and I was at the line for a good amount of time. They saw me coming in and they let me go. Right, and I drifted like one lap, like that, and I had no idea that I was doing it like that. Right, it's not ideal in in the eyes of uh, the organizers, right? Yeah, and it's not safe either because what if the hood kind of op- opens up and you know something happens? Exactly. So, yeah, and this is after the event. Like, I think the event happened on Saturday, Sunday, and. Uh, right after these events, we have a lot of media people here. They, you know, give you clips and whatnot, so you make reels out of it and whatnot. So I got this clip of me, and I was like, "Oh, shit!" My hood was like ever so slightly, you know, not not even like open. It was it's like not it's, Yeah, you can see like there's a decent amount of crease in there that tells you, okay, it's not latched properly. Yeah. And I posted that. I said like, "Oh shit! I forgot to close my hood for one run." Right. And uh, um, and the organizers saw that and they were not happy about it. And they, they initially started like posting, oh, this is not cool. I'm, I'm not sure why people think this is cool and they post it. And, and I was like, no, that's not my intention. I genuinely forgot. And I was just mentioning that. Right. And that was not my intention to kind of promote that this is cool. Or yeah. And they did not take it lightly. And they happened to block me on Instagram. They banned me from the event and whatnot. And this is after the event. And this is not even during the event. And they just banned me for it. And I'm I'm, I'm like, okay, sure. But I I mean, I just could not comprehend it for the life of me. I can't comprehend it right now. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was like, you know what? Let like you weren't boasting about it. You're like, oh, shit, I forgot to close my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez. And <laughs> I fucking hate people. <laughs> Go ahead. And then uh, I think if I had to understand it, if I had to understand their perspective, it would be that uh, there was a driver who I think he was a bit too drunk when he was drifting and he came off the um, layout, like the lap, mm-hmm. and he was coming back into the pits. And I th- I'm not sure what happened. I was not there when it happened. I was like looking at the track. And he just went 
into this JCX like super hard. Like it That's just it. totaled both cars like to to a good amount, and that's like very difficult to do in, in the pits, right? So I think he was carrying a decent amount of speed. And the problem was there was a kid in his uh, passenger seat, and the other car was expensive and whatnot. So that got like a lot of heat. And the organizers were probably worried about their insurance and whatnot. So naturally, I think that frustration just like, you know, if I had to understand why they did it, it was probably that frustration that led to my ban. But it's still not. Uh, it's still kind of absurd, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I could tell if you were like you had ill intent. You were like, yeah, fuck this place. I <laughs> I ride around with an unhood, an unlatched hood. Yeah. Exactly, and and even if you did unlatch your hood, or mm-hmm. even if your hood did come up, mm-hmm. I've never seen an accident happen from a hood coming up, especially on a drift track. Like my hoods came up before twice. Yeah, yeah. Once during like a um, mm. what is it? A qualifying lap. So yeah. I had a obviously I lost that lap, and then I couldn't even do the next qualifying lap because my um my windshield oh, was yeah. smashed. Oh, oh boy! Yeah, okay. so it was. It's, but they weren't. They didn't ban me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that shit happens. Like it, that's yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah, I've heard from a few people that they don't even like some of the organizers. They don't even talk like straight to your face. They will, like you know talk to you look at face as if they didn't want to talk to you and whatnot. Like they, it's it's something. I see. I don't want to rant on that. Like that's far from what I am. I I'm a man of peace. I don't really like talking like shit about people or even things or organizers. No, I get a, it. Yeah, I, I like to be on the very positive positive side of things, and you know. No, I agree. It's yeah. you don't want to you don't want to have you don't want to portray that image to begin with, and then if you're just not that type of person, that's yeah, exactly. That's definitely uh, yeah, yeah, admirable for sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's I think that's sometimes how life is right like even if you try to stay out of trouble <laughs> sometimes the trouble gets to you so it's like oh yeah shit. yeah it, it does life do be doing that <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah so yeah so that was one experience from that track and yeah like not to mention there's this track called south point drift mm-hmm. it's not sorry it's the event called south point drift it's uh it's a go-kart track down in Windsor. So it's very close to Detroit, the border mm-hmm. uh, of Canada and US. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's a very cool track. The organizers themselves are very pa- passionate people. They are drifters themselves. And they are like so cool about it. Like that's that's one thing that uh, totally shows, right, as organizers, like how you deal with stuff and how you manage it. So that's one good track. That's one place where my BMW can smoke tires um, because it's a technical track and low power track. So that's cool. Um, definitely would go up there like every year, although it's like way out of my uh, way. It's like a three and three hour drive for me. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And so that's one cool track. The other, there's another uh, go kart track, but I think. That was at first invite only, and luckily, I was invited because I don't know, people somehow like my drifting, so they're like, okay, sure, you can join. And yeah. Like, okay. And I think that was the first time I led like tandem trains, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't realize like 
that probably was a nice moment in my life but i didn't realize until i saw the clips because i was just you know maintaining my lead line and you know doing my thing without worrying about who was behind me yeah so yeah that was cool and uh, yeah so those organizers they are really cool like drift jam uh, really cool people so it's from i think i've heard of them yeah they are, they are i think they are well known uh, they are nice people um what else we do have cscs they only do um i think that's probably one of the very few events that is invite only like legend invite only and the invite criteria is also based on it's not it's not clear what the invite criteria is mm-hmm. so if the organizer feels like if they want to invite you they'll invite you but yeah i mean i got invited and they they're really cool about it like something happened something or uh, something very weird happened during the event mm-hmm. like some people complained against me and my car and my driving and i'm like i'm not sure what that means so he cleared that out with me before reaching to any conclusion so he asked me uh, so he told me like yeah i think you were jumping into random ta- uh, tandem trains and what not i'm like um i'm not sure if i did that but sure like i mean i told him that see if if it were, i jumped in with someone i definitely know that person and uh, that i can assure you and there was one instance where i got excited and i jumped from the single queue to the tandem queue but i was stopped immediately so i ne- that never happened so mm-hmm. i just for that i was like yo i was just that was just in the heat of the moment i was way too excited because it was a good day drifting you know i just ex- got excited but i stopped immediately when the organizer told me don't you can't do that like you have to stop there so i just stopped there so so why 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 do i say that is because the organizer handled it so well compared to that other event where they just banned me for a unlast hood after the event was over so that's that shows you like the way organizers can also make or break an event for you yeah so, that makes sense mm-hmm. uh it makes it mo- the, it's one thing to be like hey please don't do this and it's another thing to be like oh fuck you you can't come back it's kind of yeah it's kind of it's a bit much on the don't come back because your hood latch came up. yeah i think that's kind of wild yeah exactly so yeah i mean i think that's that's all the tracks that i can remember off the top of my head I mean if I missed any I'm not sure if I did but yeah that's I tried like almost covering all of it mm-hmm. it's in my head it's my first year and I always had this uh itch to explore new tracks mm-hmm. and when I got the opportunity I would you know make sure that I got whatever it is I got invited I got I went to the event took the extra mile went the extra mile to do uh you know drift that track yeah that's really crazy though to just jump in normally the drivers will come talk to you and be like hey don't do that oh really well maybe it's just a different uh thing over there well mm-hmm. well here i think it's just kind of like proper mm-hmm. etiquette to like get the approval of somebody to like follow them or mm-hmm. any type of um tandeming like make sure that you both mm-hmm. are aware you're going to be tandeming together yeah yeah um but sometimes like a lot of newer guys will get excited to do a tandem mm-hmm. and they'll just kind of like flag you down out of nowhere. Like it'll be someone you've never seen. 
Oh, I see. And you don't really know how well they how good or bad they drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm no one to talk about being a good or a bad driver, but <laughs> but I do I do see it mm-hmm. a lot, and I've seen there's been like a lot of um, Instagram commotion, so to speak, when mm-hmm. someone just jumps in or starts mm-hmm. following somebody without getting um, any type of approval from the driver first, right? Beforehand, right. Uh, which I get, but. Mm-hmm. That's usually when there's a an accident. Some guy mm. uh, a couple of years ago made a complaint about it, but his car was a total shitbox, <laughs> and he was he was just kind of like making it a big deal. And mm. I get that his car it's his car and nobody should fuck with it. Yeah, but right. he was just kind of like putting himself on this pedestal, and they gave everyone kind of like gave him shit for it. It was pretty funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I see. Everybody kind of humbled him. I haven't seen him at the track since, so. <laughs> uh, but I see, I see. Yeah, okay. uh, it it does happen, but it is a lot of that here. Um, they just don't want to. People just don't want their car fucked up, and I get that. A lot of people. This is it's an expensive sport. We yeah. put a lot of money into cars, so. Right. I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. But if you're not smashing into people, it shouldn't be a problem mm. either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as long you're as long as you're respecting the other car, your car. Mm-hmm. because for me like i go the extra mile um if i'm tandeming especially when i'm leading mm-hmm. um if i know my tires are about to go out um i'll make sure to tell the lead sorry the chase driver that you know like my tires are probably going out it, it, not even tires like anything if something feels off if i'm not driving well um I'll just I'll just tell the uh, chase driver that you know like this is something that might happen. I might spin out because of XX reasons. So just be mindful of that. It's not that I don't mind you crashing in me, but it's better that you keep your car intact as well. You don't yeah. want any accidents. So that's that's one thing I do. And what I've realized is it's always nice to drift with people, tandem with people that you trust and also that you're good friends with. It's more it's it's the most relaxed that way. Because like for example, the people that I've tandem with, they either know me really well or they know me to some degree and they are like very comfortable to let me chase or lead or whatever. Yeah. So that's one good thing that I can uh, suggest like if you're doing it in real life, always do it with the best person you feel comfortable with on the track. Yeah, people have let me tandem with them, and I'm like, yeah, you, you're fucking, <laughs> you're risky, aren't you? Uh, and I haven't hit, I've never hit anybody, but I have hit a wall and a wall of dirt. So, oh, I see. Yeah, I, I, I am known for going off track. Luckily, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen any of the videos. But we have yeah. a track over here called uh, Apple Valley Speedway. Mm-hmm. And so many fucking people, I don't know how, mm-hmm. they end up going through the wall and, like, breaking the wall. Really? Yeah. It's it's a super common occurrence here. It happens, it, I want to say, at least yeah. every other month. Uh-huh. Um, it seemed to have gone down in recent years, but mm. uh, it's a shit show. Like, I was there on yeah. New Year's Day. Yeah, and there was a dude there. Um, uh, not his fault. He uh, mm-hmm. he threw it in mm-hmm. on entry, and then um, 
his fucking uh, he has a two forty. I can't remember what those fucking things on the front are called. Anyways, yeah, I want to say attention rod, support bracket, whatever it is. Anyways, mm-hmm. that shit broke mm. when he threw it in. His wheel dug in, hit the patch of dirt, and then his car rolled. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That it was not good. great. I mean, I think he was fine for the most part. I'm not. I, he mm. might have had his girlfriend in the car, and I think she was fine too, just a little shaken up. I see. Um, I don't know the whole in and outs. I didn't talk to them after, but was it was it kids at least? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's yeah, good. he had a. He's got like two or three cars. I think this one was his um, kind of his like shit car. He even said it. He's like, it's not Shit my... car this with is, a cage? Yeah, this isn't my... He has a competition car. He has a, uh, oh, a really nice uh, S14 with the uh, <laughs> S15 rear overs and the S15 front end. It's a really good looking car. Oh, um, I see. Yeah. That's but, good. yeah, he, uh, he ended up... Cra- it was the last lap of the day, too. <laughs> it always has to be the last lap. Of yeah. The yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so one thing I noticed, or not noticed, at least I think I'm not sure if it's if this is true, but I think US events have a very high requirement for cages versus Ontario events. No, we don't. You don't? Oh, okay. I see. It's just a driver preference, I guess, that everyone has a cage. Uh. Not necessarily everyone has a cage. He just, that mm-hmm. was, I think that's the car that he originally started in, and then he built a completely separate car. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but he, I don't, actually, maybe I should have him on. I should probably ask him. Um, mm-hmm. But no, uh, cages aren't necessarily mandatory. Most mm-hmm. of the people that drift at this track specifically, even there's another one, um, which is Adams Motorsport Park, where mm-hmm. we have, it's these are both go-kart tracks. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. There. There's no cage required there. Uh. Tandem. They want you to have a cage. People don't mm-hmm. listen. Um. So people mm-hmm. do be going out there without a cage. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily a big issue. There's. There hasn't been like any. Um. Nothing significant enough of an accident for them to be like right. cage is required every event. Mm, um, I, I think that would kill the sport if it did. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, if... maybe maybe the requirement is for competition then. Oh, most definitely. If you want to compete, yeah, you do have to have a cage, yes. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a cage, but yeah, I know it's uh, that's that's one thing that I realized very quickly uh asking people that, you know, safety gear, safety cages, roll cages Mm-hmm. Are like the most expensive, probably the part most expensive part of your car when you build it. I think uh, a roll cage, yeah, it can be. Yeah, roll cage like the seats, the harness, they have an expiry date apparently. Yes, they do. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm not sure how much they cost, but which I've one? Really, I, I like the uh, harnesses, the seats. Like the uh, proper certified seats, I mean. So the certified seats, um, it depends on where you get them from. The mm. I I don't do the sponsorship thing because it's just I don't. It's not the not what I want. Uh, yeah. So I you got to order them from Ireland. 
For Ooh. some fucking reason, there's two companies. I think one's called Sweet. Fuck, is it Sweet? Maybe something Devil. I can't fucking remember. Anyways, okay. the other one I remember is MurrayMotorsport.com. Mm-hmm. Um, they're out of Ireland and they ship from there. Um, but you can get a seat for like, I think I paid like five hundred bucks. Well, I don't even remember to be honest, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll look right now. Let's see what how much their seats are. Yeah, um, but I do yeah. remember them being significantly less. And um, I ended up ordering like a seat and a new suit from them. Mm-hmm. And then I spent like eight hundred dollars shipped. Oh, that's to here. But here, the seat alone is like mm-hmm. nine hundred bucks, a thousand bucks now. Oh yeah. yeah. So and then what suits are like four or five hundred bucks. Like it's not cheap. Yeah, it, it's definitely not. And that's still like you're talking US dollars. Like for me, if we convert that into Canadian, and if my only option is to import it from US, like you have to add duties on top. So yep. Yeah, because you guys got to pay tax for everything that comes over the border. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, let's say that's not ideal. <laughs> I sold somebody a, a differential from here, from there, yeah. and. They made me put how much they paid for it and everything, and he had to pay taxes on it, three hundred and fifty dollars diff. Oh, yeah. Daddy <laughs> had to pay his ship, so <laughs> I think nice. it cost him like six hundred bucks U.S. by the time it was done. Oh, that's not nice. Yeah, it's not fun. But... Yeah. Alrighty, man. I think I'm gonna call it there. Uh, yeah. Thank you for coming on. How can people find you on your social medias if they want to follow you? Um, they can just find me on Instagram. Uh, the ID is my name and surname, Mikhail Vatikar. And you spell that because your name is yeah. not exactly <laughs> easy to figure out. Yeah, it's N I K H I L W A D E K A R, Mikhail Vatikar. And uh, by the way, like, thank you for having me on, man. It's uh, it's a first time experience, and it's. I was stoked. I was. I mean, I'm still excited. Like, I'm not going to lie. Is uh, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've oh, learned a thank lot. You. Yeah, I've learned a lot from you, from the people you've uh, asked to be on, on the professionals, on the program guys, on the grassroots guys. It's you keep doing this, man. I really appreciate you doing this because I appreciate that, and I appreciate you coming yeah. on, man. I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, same, man. Same, brother. Have a good night. All right, man. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.